Hey friends, you're listening to Always Working Mom Podcast, where we believe all moms are working moms. We want to encourage and strengthen all moms, working moms, stay-at-home moms, mothers-to-be, women that desire to be moms, and everyone in between by sharing personal stories from mothers working hard everywhere and gospel-centered resources. Together, let's humble ourselves and listen to one another's stories and grow our empathy for each other. Listening will help us focus less on our differences and more on supporting one another. Because if we can come together on the small things in life, then we can come together on the big issues. I'm your host, Vivian Knox, career mom of two little ones and chips and salsa lover. Hey y'all, so thanks for being here today. On today's episode, I get to sit down with Pat Connor. Um, She's been on our show before on season one talking about motherhood. She's a retired children's pastor and we're going to be diving into finding joy even in suffering. Um, She is just somebody who has experienced a lot of things in life and Quite frankly, I keep thinking life is going to get easier um, at some point, and I'm realizing that suffering isn't just a one-time checkbox, and it's a part of life, unfortunately, on the side of heaven. So I wanted to pick her brain to help me unpack scripture, um, process through some things since she is now a grandmother. Um, She's just full of wisdom. So let's get started. Well, Pat, hello. How are you doing? Hi, Vivian. I'm well, and I'm so glad to talk with you. I am too. I wish it was in person um, like we were last time, but I will take any chance a moment to talk to you if I'm being an honest stalker. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, So I wanted to talk to you today about suffering and finding joy in God's presence. And it's a morbid and and can sometimes be (laughs) something that people don't really want to talk to, or we gloss over it and we glamorize it. But um, I just kind of wanted to dive a little deeper for questions that I know I have, and I've been wrestling with the Lord. And um, quite frankly, I know that it just has come up with this pandemic in conversation with believers in my community, um, at church and in the neighborhood, and just also just with just people like in general at work and in the community and at school and and whatnot. Um, Yes, I agree. So we're kind of all in a season of suffering thanks to Corona, um, (laughs) whether you're sick or at home trapped in your house or don't have a house to be trapped in or yes. don't have a job, whatever it looks like. I feel like we're all kind of walking through a very weird season of wrestling with suffering. Um, the weirdest season. Yeah. Yes. We're all in it together too. Literally. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, okay. So not to put you on the spot as my <laughs> person of biblical wisdom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've crowned you with that title. Um, What do you, what does God say, first of all, on suffering in scripture? I mean, to me, I come up with a few verses, but what stands out to you most? Oh my goodness. 
Well, scripture is filled with teaching and talk about suffering. Even um, the entire book of Job is a picture for us of suffering, but actually throughout both the Old and the New Testament, we find God talking to us about suffering. It is um, strange to me that we so much don't like suffering and we think it's a surprise um, when God just says so much about it to prepare us. Right. And when, when I sort of look at the whole of scripture, and I'm not a biblical scholar, um, but when I look at the whole of what scripture has to say about suffering, in my thinking, I kind of divide it into three categories. The first category is just, um, it's inevitable. Like even you remember that Jesus said, um, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I think he couldn't be much more clear than that with us. So why we continue to act surprised, I don't know. Um, there's a passage, I think, in 2 Corinthians when it talks about um, we are hard-pressed on every side. And in that passage, we see that suffering that we can expect to have is multifaceted. It is um, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. We will all be hard-pressed in this world. So um, it is sad that so many of us who belong to the Lord just sort of set this aside. And I think if we were honest, we really expect that He will protect us from suffering. But that's not what He's promising at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that Scripture teaches suffering is inevitable. Another thing that Scripture teaches is that there is purpose in suffering. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's in the first chapter of um, Philippians, I think, that um, Paul says it's been granted to us on Christ's behalf, not just to believe in Him, but also to suffer for him. Suffering is a part of what we're called to as Christ followers. And um, there's this verse in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, it says, This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So there's some kind of mystery in suffering that it will happen to us here, but it has eternal significance as we are being transformed to be like Jesus. Isaiah talks about the refiner's fire, and I think um, that suffering is that. It's refining us. So we have the inevitability of suffering, the purpose of suffering, and then um, 
God gives us these great guarantees that he will be with us when we suffer. When we pass through the waters, he says, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't overflow you. When you walk through the flames, I will be with you and you won't be burned up. And he will be with us in suffering. And those promises are especially true to me because I've found them to be so real in my own life that God has been with me in times of suffering. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a long answer to your question about no. what scripture says about suffering. But do you see how much there yes. is there? There is a lot. Yeah. Yes. And I think we forget that. I think we maybe gloss over that a little too quickly, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes. Um, so it is a lot. Um, I think what has been most surprising, and I've been sitting and wrestling with God to unpack that um, with him through scripture and prayer, is that I feel that I was equipped in knowing that there was going to be suffering thanks to everything in scripture plus Paul and Philippians, yes, you yes. know, telling us like, be on the lookout. Um, <laughs> so it's not much more clear than that. But I think what I've found, you know, already in my life is that I'm, I'm surprised that it's not just a one-time checkbox. Like my mind is very OCD. I think of to-do to, to list. So it's like, God's going to sanctify you. Check. Um, you will walk through suffering. Check. And like, oh. <laughs> these are all these checks. And once you walk through suffering one time, you probably won't walk through it again. And that's just not the case. Like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> suffering will come again and again and again. It is the nature of our life here. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not to say that life is all bad here. Right. But that is to say suffering will come again and again and again. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it is um, suffering that we feel like we can manage. And mm -hmm. then sometimes we know, oh, there's no way we can walk through this fire without being burned. Right. And, um, I think that God says so much about suffering so we will know that whenever it comes, we are to look to him. Yes. So yeah. I, I actually consider that as a spiritual discipline, much like um, we think of prayer. We know that we don't just pray one time and okay, <laughs> we're done praying, but um, continually we're called to pray. And I think that suffering will repeatedly come to us because it is a way that we're being changed. Yeah. So I feel the same way, so that at least I can check that box off. Okay, good. <laughs> but also at the same time, I have a girlfriend that is so, so wise and has told me, you know, we have opinions, um, convictions, and then there's scripture. So I still have been sitting in this, you know, I've suffered multiple different seasons of my life thus far yes. and I'm only 35 so I'm expecting there will be additional seasons of suffering. Oh yes, you're just <laughs> you're a baby sufferer. Don't you're just getting that. started. It doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel that way, okay? <laughs> um 
But <laughs> so I've been really digging deep. You know, I love in Hebrews when it talks about people of great faith. And so I like to go back yes. to those people of great faith mm-hmm. um, and look at their lives, you know, and, and, um, and yeah. see how they walked. And then also compare it to like when Jesus is talking to people, like I take that as, okay, you know, kind of prescriptive. I don't want to dive into too much theology or whatever, but I think whatever Jesus says in the New Testament might be worth noting and writing down. Yes. Um, so that's <laughs> what I'm taking little notes on my to-do list. And, and I love, for example, comparing how Martha, the Martha and Mary from the New Testament, their story in Luke, and I'll have to reference this in the podcast notes because I can't remember where in Luke, um, but their story compared to um, David, whereas David throughout the Psalms, throughout um, Samuel, you know, he is handling different burdens and struggles and how David handles them, not always perfectly, but how he um, pursues God, like he's called a man after God's heart and he um, is in the presence of God and, um, and he, and I feel like Jesus is trying to tell Martha, when Martha is distracted about her worries and her burdens, um, you know, you're choosing the wrong thing. You're choosing mm-hmm. to prepare dinner or do whatever she's trying to be. Like, I feel like we all compare to Martha Stewart, you know, we look at her <laughs> as like, oh, she's just this Martha Stewart. But I feel like there's more like depth to what Jesus is saying. Like, I feel like, and I'll have to pull up the scripture, but he, I feel like Jesus responds to her distraction and her frustration with like, why isn't Mary helping me mm-hmm. with his words of you are worried and upset about many things. Yes. And, yes. and so I feel like Jesus knows her heart a little bit more than what we as the reader know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, David in comparison to David of all of his, you know, he's a big emotion guy and he writes down his big emotions very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that he's a little all over the place. Um, but yet his pursuit is so different than Martha. Is, is that what Jesus is trying to tell us? Is Jesus trying to tell us that when we suffer, when we are worried or upset, you know, about the big and medium and, and little things, are we supposed to then seek, his, seek him? Like what, what is the solution then like to suffering? <laughs> Well, yes, that is what we're supposed to do. And um, what Jesus may be saying is, this is what you need to do all the time. Mm -hmm. Seek Him. Keep our eyes on Him. That Martha, ah, I just love her so much, and I'm so much like her. And um, (laughs) what I really see when I think about Martha bustling around and resenting that other people are not doing the work and she's worried and bothered by so many things, Martha wants to be in control of things. Um, I know that because that's how I am. I have in my head a plan and a way that I want things to go that I think is the right way to go. And then I am worried and bothered and bustling when things don't go that way. And Jesus is just saying, look at me, look at me. That is, that is the thing. The truth is that many, probably most 
maybe all of us, do not really look at Jesus until something forces us to look at Jesus. Um, because Martha was completely different. When her brother died, then she was looking at Jesus and expecting him to make things right um, because it was a thing that she knew that she couldn't control. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we sort of muddle through not developing the discipline of looking to Jesus and um, life will force us to do that, which is probably true about David. He just had a very dramatic life, you know. He lived life yes. on the big stage. And um, that, you know, when he messed up, he messed up really big. When he did well, he did really, really well. But I'm sure um, that that kept him turning to God more and more. Um, I recently read this thing about Psalms that um, I think the number is right. One third of the Psalms are laments. There is a lot of um, sorrow and suffering addressed in the mm-hmm. Psalms, which is another way we know it's just our way of life here. Right. Um, there's a verse in Psalm. 73, that was my daughter's life verse near the end of her life when she had a lot of suffering. And it is, um, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So, and that actually did happen with my daughter. Her heart and her flesh did fail. Mm-hmm. And as I watched that happening, I saw more and more the truth of the other part of it. God really was the strength of her heart. He really became her portion. Um, but that's a hard way for us to get there. Right. There may not be another way except to go through that suffering when we continually turn to Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I love, love, love that chapter in Psalm. And um, I think without being, I don't want to say and skip over the heartache and the pain of suffering, even if it's something small. I know for me yes. personally, um, I was heartbroken and it was a season of suffering when um, I had my babies and I had to work financially. I had to go to work and I, I wanted at the time to be a stay at home mom. And for me, I marked that as a season of suffering. Sure. Um, now, you know, you can compare it to other things and situations or whatever, but, um, I think had I not gone, gone through that season and other seasons of suffering, I wouldn't know God's heart as well and yes mm-hmm. wouldn't get to see how scripture you know calls god safe or he is a refuge or you know a fortress a tower of safety um and i know that that sounds weird because when you're suffering it still hurts you know in that specific season of my life like it hurt to not be home yes um and my heart ached for that Yet I also felt the nearness of God and and experienced Him in a different way. I mean, 
how would you then unpack scripture and when it talks about God as safe, God is a fortress, but yet, I mean, suffering is painful. Yes, suffering is painful. Um, and I love that you brought it at the point that suffering can be small or huge, all-encompassing suffering. Um, but I think even disappointments, as, as you referenced, life not going the way that we want it or expect it to go, all of those things draw us, or they can draw us, to the Lord. One of the things about the story of Job is it's very clear that we can go one of two ways when we are suffering. We can um, turn away from God or we can turn toward God. Mm -hmm. And um, Job, as you know, really wrestled with it, but ultimately did turn to God. Um, there is something about suffering that I believe stirs the heart of God. The scripture says that he is near to the brokenhearted. He, there is no pain that we have that's, that he doesn't care about. Um, because it is the clearest thing to me, I think I liken it to how a parent feels that our hearts are stirred when our children have a disappointment or um, a small hurt or when they are in danger. Um, it can be small or large, but still our hearts are stirred toward them. And so the heart of Jesus is stirred toward us. He moves toward us. And then we have the decision to make. Do we turn toward him or away from him? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite stories in scripture gives a picture that I love of how um, Jesus, God, is our safety. Um, and it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, mm -hmm. who um, declined to worship any other god except the one true God. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And, and the king said to them, but if you're thrown into the fiery furnace, um, your god won't be able to save you. And they said, our god will be able to save us, but whether he does or not, still we trust him. Mm -hmm. So then they were thrown into the furnace that was so hot, even the guys that threw them in were killed. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the king came back and looked in the furnace, there were not three but four people there. I love that picture. We don't know for sure in Scripture if that was Jesus, but I think it was because it's so much like him that it's not that he necessarily puts out the fire. Mm -hmm. it, it is not always that he provides a way of escape, but it is always 
that we don't have to walk through suffering alone. Mm. Gosh, I love that. It, it is an amazing picture, isn't it? Yeah. And um, the faith that they had ahead of time that was whether he does or not, still we trust him. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, that is the heart attitude that suffering is designed to bring about in us, I believe. Mm. Oh my goodness, I love that. And now I'm going to think of that when I see at Hobby Lobby, how they always <laughs> have the verse of, from Joshua, you know, do not be afraid. You know, we always quote yes. that to have courage. Yes. But, you know, I feel like we have that thinking we're going to have like this victory um, over whatever battle. But no, I love, I love that thinking that he doesn't always... Oh, right. Escape or victory. We don't know. Uh, right. I know. We just flip those promises in our mind to yes. think, oh, he's going to get us out of this. Yes. But no, no, that's not true. And the Lord himself is our perfect example because you remember what he did mm-hmm. when he was facing crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It, he was in agony over it. And he prayed to the Father, don't make me do this and um, deliver me from this. But then he said, but nevertheless, it's not what I want. It's what you want. Right. And which is the very same attitude as we see in Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. I know you're able but whatever you decide to do, I trust you. Mm. I love it. Love it. That makes me just want to go back and just spend some time with God in that story. Yeah, love it. What about like shifting gears a little bit? Okay. Now say you're in a specific season of suffering and mm-hmm. you can put you can actually pinpoint it to a person. Not everybody has an enemy, right? So when Jesus says, love your enemies, like sometimes it can be a weird thing because it's like, I don't really have an enemy. You know, I'm not, my Mm -hmm. country's not at war with anyone. And I personally am not like marching in a battle and nobody's like chasing me to kill my life in a cave. You know, it's sometimes that has been a really hard thing (laughs) of like, who is even my enemy? (laughs) Whom? Is that grammatically correct? But, um, but then there, there are some like instances where like there is a real enemy if you have a family member that gets murdered or, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is. Um, we're called to obviously love our enemy. And, and so how are we supposed to do that? Whether our enemy <laughs> is just someone that we don't understand or a difficult person or people that are wrong, have different opinions than us or that are people that physically Mm -hmm. are causing us harm. What does that mean to love our enemy? Well, I think the the basic meaning of it is um, to value every person in the same way that God values them, which is by attaching infinite worth to every person. There is not a person that you see 
who was not created in the image of God. We all were. Every person that we encounter is an image bearer and is worthy of being treated with respect. Every person that we see is a person for whom Jesus died on the cross. Um, and it's easy for us to think they don't deserve it, but we don't deserve it either, so we're all the same. So I think having that um, heart attitude of valuing every person is our beginning place. And what a discipline that is, especially in the society we live in now where there's so much anger and bitterness and discounting people and putting other people down. It's like a sport mm -hmm. um, in our current society. I think that's very grieving to the Lord. There may come a time, and this is actually something that my family experienced, when a um, particular person turned against us. And we tried in every way to show that person um, how he was valued. And um, the more we tried that, the um, more hatred he felt for us. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, through a lot of prayer and um, really seeking God, we came to see it in a different way, that we were in a period of spiritual warfare. And um, then we understood that in dealing with that particular person who was in a, in a period of time a real enemy to us, um, we had to follow the Lord's leading, and um, that, was a, that was hard and work for us to do because there were some days that we felt um, the thing to do was just discipline ourselves by staying away, not responding at all. There were other days when we felt like the Lord was directing us to engage in conversation. So... Um, I would say that we are instructed to value other people as more important than ourselves, but I would also say that there comes a time when um, a particular relationship can become a tool in, in the hands of our enemy, mm -hmm. which doesn't make that person any less valuable, but it's just a warning to us. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that answers your question or yeah, not. It does. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, this is such a hard thing to talk about. I think we avoid difficult subjects, like we avoid talking about death, even though just as often we go to a baby shower, I mean, there are funerals. And, yes. And yes. so I feel like it's weird that we, we, we avoid suffering, the topic of suffering, as believers. Um, and I think it's, a, it's weird that we <laughs> avoid the topic of death, so... Um, yeah, I just wanted to to really just walk in that, especially mm -hmm. now that we kind of all are in this very weird place of suffering <laughs> yes. where some people are 
posting on Facebook that it's the wrath of God and we must repent, you know, and it's just like, it's just a good time to maybe talk about it and just kind of step into that conversation. Oh, I think so too. And um, I, I just think that the high standard that scripture sets for loving our enemies, um, we just so rarely live up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that we can't look for the fault in the other person, even though I just said that sometimes the other person um, may need to be avoided. Right. And that's true. Um, there may be times when a relationship is irretrievably broken. But if we are faithful in checking our own hearts and seeing is there hatred, bitterness in our hearts, then we're not right. Then we become an enemy of the Lord, really, in Mm -hmm. in that instance. So it is our job to be sure that our hearts are right toward other people, and that will always mean attaching infinite value to them. Right. Yeah, I agree. I love it. I feel that even, I mean, we can't cover everything on suffering in this quick little chat with together, but I feel that, you know, even in times of suffering, I know that scripture tells us there is joy in being in the presence of the Lord. And from my very few seasons of suffering in all of them, and each one has been stronger, um, there, there is this weird peace and joy with being in the presence of the Lord, even when the world around you is falling apart, whether it's big or small. Um, Do you, do you agree? Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, I think it maybe goes back to what I referenced earlier that I think suffering stirs the heart of God toward us that uh, so it is in those times that we connect with him on um, an intimate level and i feel that we can't connect with jesus on an intimate level without loving him more Um, as you know and as i referenced earlier I went through a very long period of suffering during the um, illness and death of my daughter. And um, I got to spend a lot of time with her at the end of her life. And she was suffering greatly. And um, of course, so was I, not in the same kind of suffering, but as any parent would, as they see their their child suffer physically and in the suffering of losing a child. Um, it was a dark time. My niece, Christina, who has a wonderful way with words and who spent some time with us um, in that period, wrote a blog about this time of the nightlight and the darkness. And she referred to the dark days that Allison and I were 
living through. And she said that always, always, the presence of God shines as the nightlight that stays on no matter how dark it is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it was for us, that his presence was so um, clear and real and um, loving and even fun. Um, we just both came to know him in a whole new way and enjoyed that. You know how it happens is, boy, I think we don't really know. I, I, I think we won't understand that until we're actually present with him. Some of it is through um, other people, the people of the Lord who follow his leading and, and minister to hurting people which is uh, something that I'm really trying to be better about in my life, following those impulses, you know, when someone comes to my mind and trusting it's the Holy Spirit bringing that person to my mind and I should do something about it. Because I do think often it's through God's people that he makes his presence known. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes they're just everyday miracles, little things that we wouldn't expect to see. And we know... Um, God did this for us. But pretty often it is the mystery of knowing that the Lord himself is, is with us. We, he is holding us. I can't explain it, but I can tell you for sure it is real, his presence with us is real. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is just so comforting to know, again, going back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that mm-hmm. we are promised to no, do not be afraid for I am with you, you know? And so, yeah, thank goodness. Yes. Just thank goodness, you know? And that even in suffering, there's some hope of joy to like look forward to. Yes, yes. There really is, um, I know it doesn't make sense, but there is great joy in suffering because the Lord is with us. Yeah. Thank you for just taking the time to to talk with me, to talk about a subject that's not super fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I will always love talking to you, Vivian. And, um, you know, when I talk about the goodness of God and suffering, it stirs my heart. My affection for him is deepened every time because it's just a wonder Mm -hmm. how he loves us. Yeah, it's like a romance movie. I feel yes. like I, t- I don't want to feel the feelings of suffering or go through that or even remember it. Mm-hmm. But when I look back on different seasons or seasons that I'm in and I see God in that suffering with me and like the, the beauty of that, yes. it's very romantic. Yes. It's, it's very sweet. Yes, yes. Yes, he loves us. Yes. Yes. Thanks for listening to the show today. Visit alwaysworkingmom.com for show notes, resources, and more info. 
please subscribe to our podcast and download each show by hitting the plus symbol or the download cloud symbol. Y'all, we want to get to know you, sweet friend. So join our community by following us on Instagram at alwaysworking underscore mom. Music is provided by Kabbalistic Village titled Funky Vibes. See you next time.